Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm delighted to welcome Roisin Johnson from Magenta Iris, Proactive HR Consultancy. So, hi there, Roisin. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. Are you? All's well. All's well. Thanks very much for, for taking the time to talk to us today. Got a lot to cover. So, what I thought we might do is just get started and we can work through and have a bit of a chat about your business and, and how you got into this wonderful world of HR consulting. Sound all right? Absolutely. Sounds great. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, let's start with, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you got into the HR consulting game? Yeah, yeah. So I um, I actually started working in HR about 15 years ago, uh, completely by accident. And um, I basically fell into it um, started working with a fantastic HR director who I remain really close to uh, even now. And um, she really sort of inspired me and got me on the the path to HR, really. Um, so it was a, an interim assignment many, many years ago, uh, working in a very mixed generalist uh, HR role at a junior level. And um, I started started in that position, really, really enjoyed it. Um, moved around locally into lots of different HR uh, sort of areas all generalists but all tended to have a slight slant towards something different every time I moved Um, and eventually I just sort of thought to myself I'm not quite sure why I'm still employed why don't I um, sort of branch out and and that's where I uh, sort of went a couple of years ago about three years ago now um, and got into HR consulting and working with one of the, one of my colleagues from uh, from many many years ago, uh, the two of us set up together. So wow. that that's how how it all happened. Yeah, were you scared when you made that leap? Uh, not really. Um, I think the thing was the last couple of permanent jobs that I had. Um, I went into them knowing that they would have limited shelf life. So what I did know that what I was getting into, despite having the words "permanent" all over the job spec and all over the uh, the adverts, I I knew deep down that they weren't going to be. Um, and I actually felt quite excited because I, I actually really like change and I really like um, kind of growing and developing and learning new stuff. So to me, it just kind of felt like a real extension of that and gave me more ownership, to be honest, over what I was doing, yeah. how I was working and, and, you know, the sort of work that I was doing. So that really, possibly stupidly, was the the thing that, that drove me into it. But it's also kind of like that double-edged sword that makes it quite scary at times. Yeah, yeah. Magenta Iris, what kind of consulting do you do? Who are your ideal clients? So I tend to, I've found um, over the last couple of years that I seem to have fallen into a bit of a pattern of working with businesses who are going through or planning to go through quite significant sort of change or transition. And I have had quite a lot of experience in some of the grubby sort of bits of HR that people don't like, your cheapy transfers, your redundancies, your restructures, your reorganisations. Um, but doing that with a really sort of commercially focused but sort of quite nice human touch you know I'm, I'm a normal person at the end of the day um, and 
uh, yes, sometimes HR does have to be a little bit fluffy. It sounds really awful. Sometimes HR does need to be a little bit fluffy. But I think I get a good balance of the, um, you know, the business needs and actually the human side of it as well. Um, and so I, I've tended to find that I work with people who are fairly stressed, fairly um, sort of threadbare, <laughs> <they're> quite <laughs> overstretched. And, and they tend to be the sort of businesses that I've worked with. And it's great, you know, it's, it's great working with those sorts, sorts of clients that know, that know they've got to make changes, yeah. don't necessarily know how to do it, and don't mind admitting we're not experts in this. And they're the people that I love, the people that I kind of see um, reflected in, in sort of myself. You know, there's a lot of things that I won't attempt in my own life, you know. I won't, um, you know, I won't think about mending my own car, for example. I'll go to a mechanic because I know that they're going to do a lot better job than I am. Um, I won't plaster my own walls. Um, so it's that sort of person that I look for in business that knows knows when to stop and get someone else in. And, and they're, they're the greatest clients that I've worked with and the ones that I've had the sort of most lasting relationships with. Great. What are the typical outcomes they get when they work with you? Um, I think the, the thing that they get is they get a, um, a personalised service. Um, so it's better, I think, than, than just purely um, dealing with your bigger uh, consultancy firms. Mm-hmm. And they get a real personalised service. So, you know, I'm there when they want me. I'm not when they don't. Um, they know that, you know, things aren't personal. We can be, we can have sometimes quite animated and quite difficult discussions. And they know that I'm not going to, sort of uh, take things overly personally that they can you know they can have a bit of a rant and I will still turn up and I will still help them and I will still be polite and still be professional so they know that they don't have to put on ears and graces you know I'm quite a yes I can can be very corporate but equally behind closed doors if they need a laugh they need to then they need to sort of do those things that, that senior managers often need to do and can't do publicly you know they, they know that I can then be very very confidential so it's it's really um, the outcomes that they tend to get are things done quickly things done that is very tailored for their business and very personalised to their needs and I will do as much or as little as they want me to do um, so if they want a full end-to-end service this um you know right from all the little bits of detail doing the letters doing me turning up to meetings or if they want a here's a strategy plan this is what you need to deliver I'll do that so it's um it's very very bespoke on on needs and also bespoke on on what the capabilities are in the business and to minimize their risk and, and get them what they need without ending up in court basically Sure. And that's a really interesting point you make about the difference between what you offer and, I don't know, the large corporate consultancies. I guess they have to, what, toe the line a bit? And yeah, and I think I can bring my personality out, which um, won't always be to everyone's taste, but I, I don't want to appeal to everyone. Um, if I'm honest, I want to work with people that I want to work with and that I think I can add value uh, to their business and that I can um, bring something to them that they wouldn't necessarily get from anywhere else and that's why I want them to come to me I want them to be sort of my tribe almost um, and I won't appeal to everyone and equally not everyone will appeal to me and I think that's what I've found over the last couple of years that sometimes you make mistakes and sometimes you think a client's going to be absolutely on your wavelength and when you get down to it you, you're just not compatible it's a bit like being on an awful date 
um, and you just want to climb out of the bathroom window. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that. But you obviously can't do that in the business world. You, you have to see things through. So yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's for some larger consultancies that won't matter as much, and, and that is often diluted by your size. And when there's just one of you or two of you, you don't have that luxury. So you really have to be very um, careful about who, who you decide to work with and actually who you, who, who you trust and who, who trusts you back. Definitely. You did mention, you know, working with ideal clients. Can you start with how did you get your first few clients and were they, the, I don't, not necessarily the right type, but how did you, how has that evolved over time? Yeah, okay. So in, in terms of the um, the first few clients that I got, I think it was probably the same way as many um, people going into this sort of uh, business from being employed, uh, find this. So it was through word of mouth, really. So working with, people who I either had worked with before needed just a bit of a HR project doing um, or it was through people who knew people that I knew so it wasn't really a, um, a structured way of working and what I did find was they were largely not the right clients if I'm honest um, not because they were from a relationship point of view wrong but from the type of work it wasn't always what I wanted to be doing it was sometimes a bit too junior a little bit sort of um, anyone could do it in, that had worked in HR it wasn't specialised to who I am and what I can bring um, and that's because they didn't know me if I'm honest they didn't know what I what I was and what I could bring and actually I probably didn't know me either at that point um, and I think you probably just have to go through that that um, that sort of pain point until you get to the point where you just think can I carry on like this and, and the answer is probably no you can't you need to be more specialized be more specific about what it is that you want to do um because at the end of the day you are your own employer you, you make those decisions yourself and actually that's one of the huge benefits of being self-employed or, or running your own business so how did you refine what kind of work you would do and what you wanted to do um in all honesty i I kept finding that I was just being drawn to, and I wish I could tell you that there was a science behind it, um, but I kind of felt that I was drawn to work that tended to be uh, around change. So it wasn't always identical work. It wasn't always a tube or always an acquisition or always even the same um, type of business in the same sector um, but it always had a flavour of change or uncertainty or difficulty around um, getting people to for example think about new ways of using HR technology or, or using a new HR system but it was always around something quite significant in a business um, that involved people um, or had a people impact which nearly everything in the business does um, and sometimes it was it was something very specific, like come in and do me a, a, a redundancy, we need it done in eight weeks, there's so many people and, and this is what we need. Or it was a very sort of fluid um, change programme that, that needed to be resolved. So it, it, it really was, um, not by design, but something that I've grown to really love and, and something now I actively seek, I actually actively look for that type of project and and it, it kind of grows each time that I do a, a project something else there'll be a new facet to it that, that just makes it more interesting all over again wow that's interesting and you mentioned that um 
in the early days, people were referring you in and recommending you, let's say, um, and perhaps that wasn't as specific or as closely related to the type of work you wanted to do because you didn't know what that was. But what about now? Do you think people are, are referring better work to you? I do, yeah. I think that, that people are coming to me um, to talk about things that I wouldn't have necessarily known uh, you know known about before so I, I kind of got a different level of expertise I would say around um certain subjects and people will um often come to me to kind of, I'm finding that there's more people that want to possibly work alongside me so all the HR folks that are getting in touch to talk about um, you know, maybe um, setting out some sort of new, uh, for example, the podcast, you know, d doing this kind of thing is, is very different to um, stuff that I I've done previously. You know, that there are more people that I'm reaching out to and I'm starting to get confident in talking to people and saying, do you fancy trying this or do you want to do that? Because I just feel that, you know, there's, there's such a lot of um, good technology out there and there's so many different ways of working these days that actually we need to be ambassadors for it. Um, so, yeah, I do think that, that people are starting to recognise what I can do, where I can work and where I can add value. So it is a different sort of relationship that I'm starting to build with businesses than, than I had before. It's, it's not necessarily always been... I think when you first start out, the, the, there's a sort of power shift. Um, you know, the employer, the, the business that, that, that is your client, they have all the power. They have the uh, ability to go anywhere that they want. Um, and actually, when they come to you, the power starts to shift. <laughs> and the, and, you know, that, it's a nice feeling. It's a nice yeah. feeling to know yeah. that you're not the one that's constantly uh, in that, that kind of position of, of not, I don't mean desperation, because that's, yeah, yeah. that's not the right word. But it, sometimes you the do think, how am I going to, yeah, how am I going to pay my, my bills if you don't sign me up straight away? Yeah. You know, it's, it's that that sort of thing when you first start out and actually if you are calm and sometimes are unavailable and I don't mean unavailable to be difficult I mean unavailable because you are actually genuinely doing something else it sometimes makes you more attractive it's, it is like dating it is you know it is kind of a weird relationship and it's one of those things that you can only go through um by having some bad experiences and coming out the other side of it yeah that's really interesting I think that's why they have sales that are time limited and things in the shops, right? <laughs> it's because people yeah. know that they're going to go away. So yeah, that's like it. That with the scarcity side of things. What about these days, the main marketing channels? How, how are you bringing in clients? Well, I'm trying a few different things. So I use LinkedIn a lot and I have been spending quite a lot of sort of time on developing myself and developing some of the skills that HR folks and, and business owners sometimes just don't have. I mean, you don't learn how to run a business until you're doing it. And, and it's a bit late by that point. <laughs> um, so I am, um, you know, I, I've done the networking thing. I've tried, I've tried networking locally, going to a few different sort of business to business networking sessions. Mm. I have had limited, kind of limited experience of that being a positive thing, if I'm honest. It, it sort of seemed like a lot of time yes. where, you know, you're traveling, you are paid park, you, you've got to buy God knows how many coffees while you're there, so you don't look cheap. And, you know, business cards and flyers. And I've tried all, you know, lots of different things. But actually just, um, I found that LinkedIn's been really quite useful for broadening broadening networks. But also starting to look at other ways of working, you know, working alongside other HR folks that maybe 
need a bit of extra extra work doing. They they've perhaps got a client who wants something very specific doing, and it's actually not in their remit. And I think one of the one of the great things is is working with other HR people, other HR consultants who maybe want some overflow work doing, like I say, and also looking at doing some of the unthinkable, you know, the cold calling, the awful, awful sales bit that you have to do. So trying that sort of thing as well. So, you know, I've been I've been looking at quite a lot of work around uh, getting people, you know, possibly even bringing a person in to start and do that for me because I know it's not a a huge forte and I don't really like it <laughs> so oh, yeah. you know there's, there's a lot of things um, that I'm, I'm trying to do but whether you know at the moment from a scientific point of view I'm not sure which which of those avenues is bringing me back the most the most actual work yeah. but yeah I think I think just keeping an open mind and trying a few different things and, and ditching them fairly quickly if they don't work is, is probably one of the, the best best routes that I can, I can imagine will be for me Really interesting. And, and the partnering side of things, I absolutely agree. That's actually how I got my break out of doing the small time admin HR stuff was partnering up with another firm that gave us a big contract. Yeah, yeah it's doors. good info. Works, works well for people. Yeah. Uh, on the LinkedIn, is that posts uh, or, or messaging? Uh, I think I think it's going to change. So I think at the moment, a lot of the stuff that I do is sort of posts or I do work, you know, I'll, I'll do the odd article, that sort of thing. But a lot of the time, I find that people contact me on, mess- on, on the messaging service. I don't necessarily do a lot of the messaging initially because yeah. I think at the moment, I don't know if it's, a, if it's quite a British thing, I think it's quite a, a big American thing that you can kind of go in with a hard sell fairly quickly. But around, I think for me, it's more relationship building. Relationship building and getting a a network of people that are interested or may well be interested in your services. And then gently sort of targeting and starting to build up a relationship with with business owners or it may be transformation directors or or whoever it is that that I am, you know, deciding to, to sort of softly target. I do think the messaging service will probably start and increase in use but I think you have to be really careful about how you approach people because particularly I don't know if it's a generational thing but I I do find a lot of people get really annoyed about being contacted you know you're linking with someone and then five minutes later you get a sales pitch (laughs) and I think a lot of people you know particularly when I think about people like my dad's age um, you know sort of uh, 60s he he's well is it actually a kill me if I said that he is 60 but they they often feel just really sort of manipulated that they have just joined you know yes I said I'll link, link in with you but I don't want to buy you know whatever it is selling to me I don't even know you so I think it, I think it's a dangerous one and also you have to think about how you pitch it you don't know that person well you don't know how to pitch it so you're never going to you're never going to come out of it well until you start to build a relationship so for me I think LinkedIn is a great great tool and I've been spending quite a lot of time sort of looking at uh, different businesses and how they use LinkedIn and how they um, start and kind of make it make a name for themselves on them and and it's it's something that i think is it's free you know it's, it costs very very little to have an internet connection these days so yeah. you know you've got to make the most of, of some of your free or your cheap um your cheap advertising mechanisms absolutely and that's that's great advice on the relationship building side of things speaking of you know observing other companies and things are there any hr companies or consultants that you think market themselves well and you know what is it that they do so well yeah, I do actually. There's one, and I um, I probably shouldn't say this because I I imagine that they um, 
they are kind of competition, I suppose, locally. And I, I come across them quite regularly. Don't say their names if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I think they're doing. A, I think they're doing a great job, and they are. They're quite a bit bigger than us in terms of size. Right. Um, and that's Lotes HR. They are. I believe the Derbyshire based. Um, well, I know the Derbyshire based actually because I was reading about them only this morning. And they they just do some lovely pieces on there. It's really good, uh, simple to understand, nicely written articles around lots and lots of HR, um, you know, people and legal aspects of, of, of employing folks. And I just think that they pitch it really well. You know, they obviously spend some time thinking about how they look and they come over very professionally and probably quite, you know, they're probably the sort of business that you would think of going to. You know, they, they seem to do it really well and I just like the fact that it's not hugely 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 detailed they're not massively long pieces of, of writing and you kind of feel like you know these folks they, they, they kind of get their personality over really well and that's something that I think that they you know do better than, than lots of businesses that you do come across very good can I turn to a business question seeing as you're the business expert now you said you've, <laughs> you've, you've learned so but what are your thoughts on smoothing out cash flow either by systemizing your services or productizing the knowledge I don't know, could you test it? Have you seen others do it? Yeah, it's not some. So what I, um, I mean, one of the things that I thought about doing actually as a business was one, one of the things that you want is passive income really, which I completely get. However, in HR, one of the best ways to get passive income I have, um, I have seen is to have, for example, template documents on your website, you know, something that someone can download, a template handbook that they can then customise or something of that, that nature that kind of gets a foot in the door with, with a client. But the problem that, that you've got with that is you've got huge businesses, huge massive businesses and solicitors firms that are doing this all the time and have a whole team that are just literally updating and keeping things looking fresh and keeping things looking, you know, being legally compliant. So I think it's a real toughie to decide whether you want to invest your time in doing that or whether you want to invest your time in actually kind of delivering the HR. Because at the moment, there's only you know small business that, that, that we run. And we have to do the HR. And actually, we still want to be doing the HR. So it, it's getting that right balance around, do you want to be known for great HR templates or do you want to be known for actually delivering you know a multi-million pound acquisition and it's it's a hard one i mean i do think in an ideal world we would spend more time doing that you know more time getting uh, products out there or training programs out there or other other ways of of, um, generating income but i think unless you're really really good at it you've got to sort of think Am I competitive? Am I, you know, really? Am I, am I good enough at what I do that I can compete with these these folks that clearly are? And I do think that um, there is something about HR consulting where it's very easy to fall into a trap of being very generalist and doing lots of different things and not doing any of them well. And that that can be um, a real fear that, that I have. And so I think that's probably why I've, I've kind of leaned leaned more towards my main income stream and my main product being myself you can't copy that it's hard to it's hard to to try and be somebody that that you're not so that's what my main product is and it's it's sometimes hard knowing knowing whether that's enough but you know it pays your bills at the end of the day it's it's what you what you need to do to deliver absolutely 
You said foot in the door. So have you ever gone into a company to do a small piece of consulting work and then it's ended up being something larger or longer? You know, how do you do that? Is that yeah. something you can replicate? I don't, I don't know. I think sometimes it, it's circumstance because um, I went in to do a piece of work for a business where I, I ended up, for some reason, I don't know how, how I ended up doing it, but I ended, I ended up being the main, main person around GDPR and human resources and GDPR linkage um, when that first came in. And so this would have been last year. And I went in, I went in to do something that I thought was probably going to take four weeks um, and ended up working on and off with them pretty much solidly uh, for about nine months. You know, first looking at one thing, then looking at HR system for them. And, and it was, it, it sort of depends, I think, on the business and how, how likely they are to buy into you as a person and how likely they are to uh, see the benefits of what you are suggesting and what you are bringing to the table I mean with this one it was it it kind of happened fairly seamlessly and it didn't really happen it didn't need a hard sell it was more the fact that you know I was doing a GDPR project and actually the HR was a mess it was a major risk and the risk of of you know, being caught out and things not being right was worse than it was ever going to cost for me to stay and sort it and charge them my day rate. And, and so that's how it, how it kind of worked. So I think it was because I was thinking of it from a commercial viewpoint and it was never about use me, use my services. It was just use someone and use someone's services. You can use me if you want to. Um, and it was very much left, the ball was left in their core. Because I didn't do the hard sell, that's where it kind of uh, worked in my favour, I think. Very good. I suppose we're coming towards the end. So just a couple of final questions is around the HR industry itself. It's, it continues to evolve at a rapid rate. What change and challenges do you see now and in the future and how do HR professionals or employers face these challenges? Yeah, so I, I think I'm, I'm really getting into, I've got a real interest in, in digitalisation and in technology in businesses in the world, full stop. And I really think that we've got a major issue with the sort of the role of money and how the role of managers will evolve in in business because we're you know we're using more and more technology we're using for example you know lots of businesses these days they will be you know they will be using lots of different types of uh, management techniques that didn't exist you know before and so things like for example agile management and this whole process around you know agile processes and procedures being brought into businesses into businesses that really weren't understanding what it was that they were buying into and now stuck with a great system and a great way of working that maybe they haven't adopted fully and they're sort of in this no man's land of we want to be agile but we don't really know what that means and how to apply it and equally want to bring technology in to really build on this agile way of working. And we don't really know what we're doing with that either. So it's this feeling of them knowing that they need to change and knowing that they want to change, but not knowing how to get the best out of the people and out of the technology. And therefore, these managers being stuck in this no man's land of wanting to manage and wanting to make things better, but not having the right skills, not having the right approach and, and, and cultural so they're not having this, the right business culture to be able to get anywhere. So these these people are sort of stuck and they're the ones that are the most able to make a, a change and a difference to a business. So I think people management and and um, particularly development of managers and development of managers em- embracing technology as well is going to be a big thing. Um, but what that will be called and what that is, 
I don't really know. Yes. It all seems to be rolled up in future of work and yeah. machine learning, but yeah, who knows? All right, well then to, to close out, do you have any tips or, on interesting people or websites or tools that other HR businesses should check out if they want to grow faster and become better businesses? Yeah, I think that one of the one of the best well, one of the best examples that I have come across is a, a business on LinkedIn um, that has what is it called? Let me just think. It is a a business on HR that has helped a lot of, of companies called Career Shifters, and and what it is, it's around looking, and I think this is something that will be quite interesting, looking to individuals that want to change their career. So you will find lots of different people that are stuck in their career and they don't know what to do. And I think with the world of work changing, there's going to be more and more people in that sort of situation. Yes. Um, and they do some great work helping people move from one one sector or one type of business or one type of way of working into another. So I think the people that are maybe thinking of setting up on their own, that would be um, a great place to start. Equally, um, when you work in a business as a consultant and you start to come across businesses where you've got these people that are really uncertain about who they are, what they're doing and why they're doing it, that sort of business, I think, would be a great sort of contact to, to think about having in your toolkit so that you can start and help people get unstuck in their career. Well, the, the numbers are frightening on with the AI machine learning that jobs are going to be displaced and people need to learn mm. new skills. So, yeah. Completely, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a way that people can help themselves to, to really to, to sort of really get themselves out of a, a stuck position because there's nothing worse than hating your work and hating your job. So it, it's something that I think that, that HR people really need to be quite acutely aware of, not only in their own roles, but in other people's roles in, in businesses when, you, when you're working with, with folks. It's, it's, it's just an awful situation to be in and it's not productive for anyone. Not at all. What was that group called? Um, it's called Career Shifters. Career Shifters. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Final question then is, if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you and, and the business, how do they do that? So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so if you just look for, for my name, Roisin Johnson or Magenta Iris, I'm on LinkedIn there. And we also have a website, which is www.magentairis.co.uk. That's been really interesting. I've been learning lots of things and <laughs> scribbling notes furiously. So thank you very much for your time. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. It's been really great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.